Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Our oceans are the home of life, but how do we keep them safe and clean? Our oceans can be full of lots and lots of garbage, and these can congregate into massive floating islands, but thankfully we're monitoring these and starting to clean them up. Also, some real-life sea monsters are actually invading some ports. Rest assured, this has a peaceful conclusion. At this time of year, especially after a lot of big parties and a very frantic holiday season, we all end up with a lot of waste and rubbish, whether that be wrapping paper or bottles of soft drink or other drinks or food packaging, or even the leftover toys and the old discarded junk from previous years, and all of that waste builds up. And a lot of the time, actually, that builds up in recycling centres or in garbage dumps, but there is an alarming amount of trash that's residing in our ocean, plastic waste that doesn't degrade, but instead circulates around our world. Now, of course, you probably have seen pictures floating around of, you know, people with boats in this massive sea of garbage, and that illustrates a point, but that's not actually necessarily the reality. But there is massive amounts of plastic in our oceans, plastic that's not degrading any time in the next couple of thousands of years, and it also poses a significant risk to the life in the ocean. And these plastic islands, or rubbish islands, are all over the world as well. And they exist in the different ocean gyres that are basically big circulating currents of ocean. So thanks to varying temperatures and also wind and other climate forces, you have areas of the ocean that basically circulate in big loops. For example, the loop that travels from eastern Asia, past Japan, through to the eastern, the western seaboard of the United States, and then does a big loop down through sort of South Central Asia or correspondingly the one that sort of travels from Western Australia all the way across through to Africa. These gyres, these ocean currents, are big circulating, effectively, collection methods for this trash. So what exactly is going on with our oceans, and why have we ended up with so much trash inside them? first one that we really were aware of is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, as it's, as it's known, which was discovered in 1999 by Charles J. Moore, a sailor who was coming back after completing a sailing race, travelling through in this gyre back to the United States, and who ran into this patch and alerted oceanographers to it. One thing to keep in mind here is that the patch itself is not immediately visible in the most parts, and mostly that's because Yes, there are lots of areas with large pieces of garbage that are floating on the surface, but the majority of it is actually microparticles of plastics that are presented beneath the surface, so it's not easy to see. It's not like you are flying over Hawaii or across the Pacific Ocean and you can look down and see big swarming expanse of garbage. It's not quite that simple. And there's been several projects to go and study this, including efforts by UNESCO, as well as oceanographers, climate scientists, and a bunch of young entrepreneurial climate change activists and scientists who formed the Ocean Cleanup Project, which they kick-started and raised $2.27 million to actually go investigate last year. 
and document and try and clean up some of this mess. And the reality is, you know, even if you take, such as the Ocean Cleanup Project did, 30 vessels, uh, including a 32-metre mothership, taking month-long surveys and and basically trawling to, to pull up plastic, it's still not an easy fix. There are estimates around that's probably around 5.25 trillion pieces of garbage in varying sizes, from micro-particle size and upwards to more macro amounts, um, to which actually of what clogging up our oceans. Now, how do you actually come up with that number? Well, it's quite interesting. They basically do beach surveys, which is one element, and then take computer models based on the samples collected at seas by such as groups as the Ocean Cleanup Project, as well as more sophisticated modeling of basically of all of life cycle of trash. So the co-founder of the Guy Five Guys Institute, Marcus Erickson, uh, basically spent four years using samples gathered from 24 different survey trips to come up with a number of about 5.25 trillion pieces of, of garbage floating on the surface. And, you know, everything as he collected, his 24 sample trips included things from, you know, candy wrappers uh, to giant balls <laughs> of fishing netting. Now, that also lines up with other work being done from Spanish scientists from the researchers of University of Cadiz, who came up with a, a, a very similar number, actually, from more detailed modelling. And this makes sense. If you have about 200 million tonnes of garbage produced each year, uh, basically, even if you make a, a ballpark estimate of 10% going into that into the ocean, it also lines up with those figures. And since 33% of plastic that is manufactured is used once and discarded, and 85% of that plastic is not recycled, th then we end up with quite a lot of build-up quite easily. And that's no surprise then that some of it will make its way into the ocean, which is a depressing but sad fact of life. So what are we doing about it, and what impact is it actually having on our oceans. Now, plastic in a large form, and I'm sure you've all seen those pictures of penguins or seals with, or fish or dolphins with the drink container rings around their necks. And that is obviously, that happens with large pieces of plastic can obviously adversely impact animals. But if it's small, small amounts of plastic can actually, even the microscopic levels, severely impact wildlife. For example, things that are filter feeders, such as whales that filter out plankton and eat that, can eat the plastic instead because it will pass through similar to the way that krill would or plankton would, which is obviously disastrous. And similarly, birds that are scooping out small fish and shrimp and so on to feed their chicks will often actually accidentally feed them plastic instead. And this has been well documented in the Midway Atolls from albatrosses. And the problem is that this actually fills up the young chicks' stomachs and causes them to starve because they, they can't process that. Uh, as well as the deep sea fish living nearby will also process and try and eat that plastic which then ends up in the ecosystem chain and sort of concentrates upwards, all of which doesn't have great effects, even if affects endangered species in the Hawaiian Islands, such as the Hawaiian monk seals and the great green sea turtles. So what are we doing to try and clean up this mess? Well, scientists have come up with a couple of innovative solutions. Aside from the regular cleanup activities and better processing, recycling and banning of plastic bags and the like, and the more increased use of biodegradable plastics, we've actually come up with some pretty exciting solution. So the Ocean Cleanup Foundation, the same group that raised $2.27 million to do a fantastic study of the guy in the Great Ocean, Great Pacific Garbage Patch, have actually come up with what they call an anti-plastic waste dam which they're going to test in the North Sea, which is the ocean between England and 
continental Europe up in the north near the Scandinavia. So by 2020, the Ocean Clinic Project aims to install a 100-kilometre-long V-shaped floating barrier. Uh, effectively, they're, they're screens at three metres deep that block waste and direct them into a channel point where it can be collected for recycling. As the Ocean Clinic Foundation is, is based in Holland, uh, this makes sense. They're basically doing it in their backyard, so to speak. And what this aim is to actually have a basically a funneling effect on the garbage and collecting it into a point where it can be easily collected, not just the surface ones, but also those beneath the surface. And they've undertaken their first tests uh, in open waters. So a 100-metre-long segment, uh, which they've developed with the barrier, will be deployed 23 kilometres off the coast of the Netherlands uh, later this year, uh, probably around April. And the idea for this is to prove the concept of collection of the flotsam and jetsam of garbage, also the microscopic or the small particle levels beneath the surface as well, and collect that into a way that can protect wildlife and also improve the health of our oceans. So all is not lost, but it does involve a lot of concentrated effort to help fix this problem that we ourselves have created. you're probably familiar with the mythological idea of the Kraken, the legendary sea monster that plagues ships and everything from pirate movies to modern day thrillers. And whilst this was a terrifying nightmare that sailors sort of concocted and spread in rumour and legend, it wasn't until around 2004 that Japanese researchers actually got their first glimpse of a live giant squid in its natural habitat. We knew they existed. We found their bodies, their huge, huge bodies washed up ashore. But it, it wasn't until 2004 where we actually got our first glimpses of one actually alive in the deep ocean. And it wasn't until 2012 that we actually got a full image and video of a live adult in its natural habitat. So what are these giant squids? Well, by about 1880 and 1900, we'd actually started to collect sample of these colossal giant squids. Uh, you know, the the giant squid, which is uh, from the genus Arachthaeus, as a deep sea organism, can actually get to incredibly large sizes. We, we're not sure what the actual size range are because we don't have many samples. But we're putting them in size between 13 and 10 metres for the, for the females and for the males. And second only to the colossal squid, which is around 14 metres in size. This is some of the largest living organisms in the world. Quite, quite large. And obviously they are the rivals and prey of some of the different types of whales that exist in the deep sea. But they have been a large mystery for us because, you know, we only find, we only find these specimens as they're washed up ashore. And we have to sort of figure out what happened to them, these sea monsters, as they lurk beneath the ocean. And we know eventually when we, when we find them uh, with live video, we actually have a better understanding of how they work. So imagine scientists and researchers' surprise after spending years trying to actually get video or even photographs of these mysterious enigmas of the deep ocean. And, you know, struggling and trying very hard in 2004 and then most re more recently in 2012 to actually get live images of these enigmas in the action. Imagine the surprise of uh, Japanese sailors 
when uh, a giant squid was found just hanging out, lurking, in a port. In the city of Toyoma, in Japan's northwestern coast, on December 24th, fishermen discovered a massive, massive giant squid. It's only about four metres, but still much bigger than any other invertebrate or animal in, in those oceans. Just hanging out inside their port. Now, obviously, this is not a full-size adult, but a juvenile, and it's still incredibly large. So, what did these fishermen do? Well, obviously, these amazing sea creatures ought to be protected, and they're incredibly rare. So, obviously, they, they took the first photographs and videos, because clearly you need to document this, as we've established these things are rare enigmas themselves. But then the, the fishermen did something else unique. And so various fishermen, dive shops, and, and uh, local members from the curators from the aquarium, Uzo Aquarium, went underwater, took photos, and then guided this deep-sea denizen back into deep waters. Obviously, um, it was quite a painful experience, as one of the, one of the divers recounted, that you know the suckers from them were so strong that they felt some pain. As Kimura-san, uh, one of the divers in Tomo, actually explained to, to local TV, mostly because, you know, they're quite powerful and large in, in terms of their size. And those things are what makes them quite deadly, but it also means that it was something worth protecting. And thankfully, these fishermen were able to escort it back out in the deep water so that it was not trawled up accidentally by the fishermen in their nets. And this is sort of a remarkable experience of a myth, or what was a mythological creature, which is still even quite rare to be seen today, actually being found alive and protected to keep its secret safe and, and keep its habitat secure, to ensure that it's there to, to live and grow and fight another day. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Giant squid being protected and sent back out to the deep oceans by Japanese fishermen, and the ongoing works to keep our oceans clean and safe from build-up of garbage islands was all this week on LaGrange Point. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.